Ben, I got a pitch for you. This I'm listening. It's gonna. I think it's gonna take the world by storm. Right now, you're a werewolf. I mean, you're not, but just put yourself in the position. You're a werewolf, right? Let's say I was. All right, right? hypothetically. You got all the regular troubles of a human, right? Day-to-day sure. stuff. You still got to go to work. You still got, you know, to deal with that damn mother-in-law or whatever. But, oh, my Lord. In this economy? Oh. Right. Uh, but you have also going on on the other side the torturous experience of having to turn into a, a wolf man. Uh, and then go sate your bloodlust. So that's got to be weighing on you, I'd imagine, right? Who's got time for that? Right, you know? So I'm proposing better help for werewolves. That's Aww. right. It's a therapy service specifically for werewolves. And here's our tagline. Everyone always asks werewolf. No one ever asks how wolf. Oh my god! So there you go. That's good. Hey, can I hit you up with with, with an alternate? An Let's alternate hear here. Let's hear it. Wherever you wolf, we're here for you. <laughs> All right. You can use either one. We do one in print. We do one in audio format. Yes, perfect. All right. <laughs> so for it's any solid. werewolves, it's a good any, plan. Yeah, any werewolves out there right now suffering, don't worry. We got something coming for you. Help is on the way on, on the, the way. installment of Dead and Lovely. Here with the host of the most speed, your good buddy, Uncle Ben. Oh, hey, oh, Hollywood Thief. Wolfpack. Oh, oh, oh. And we are here today to be talking about one Cursed from 2005. <laughs> right. uh-huh, Cursed. Yep. Cursed. We're going to be getting into that thing after we have ourselves a good old chin wag. So if you just want to get straight on to the movie review, there's a timestamp for you to use in the podcast description. But before that, but, 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 but before we that, as I before said, we we're going to do we're going to do the thing that is done before podcasting. We do are good at talking. I listen. Yeah. That was amazing. And I have never heard a better transition into an introduction. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, you know, I've been practicing. We've been practiced for over 300 episodes now. Yeah. Uh, we're getting you, pretty good at it. You've got it. Yeah. <laughs> I might be a little tired. I have had a, a month of a week. Um, there yeah. has been just a whole lot of stuff going on that I'm really stoked about, but there has been a lot of work going down here in in these parts of Knoxville, Tennessee. Oh, I'll yeah. tell you that, man. It's been fucking hectic. How you been? Uh, been good. Uh, been a little less hectic. We've we've had we've had some fun old times. We uh, went and hung out with our friends Mike and Haley. Watched a little uh, anime called Madoka Magica, and they had a drinking game prepared for that. And let me tell you, this by the all third, sounds satanic. Okay, it was, this doesn't sound like yeah. anything <laughs> I learned about in youth group. None of one hundred percent. Yeah, it was satanic as fuck. By the third episode, we were plastered. So that. Uh-oh. That was a fun drinking game, I'll tell you that. I do not remember much about uh, what happened in the fourth episode. Uh, luckily, we stopped it because we all realized we were plastered, but it was a fun time. That happens. Yep. Uh, also, uh, went because uh, our, our uh, Anna Martin of the uh, the uh, Hell Rankers episodes, uh, and who lives here in this, this home with me, uh, she is going to be in... Haley and Mike's wedding. She is one of Mike's groomsmen, so she went and got 
fit for a, a suit um, yesterday and looked real awesome in it. So I'm excited for that. Fun times. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. So uh, that's really all we've done this week. Madness. Madness, dude. Yeah. It's, 100%. Uh, it's been busy over here, man, but I've just had time to watch a scant two movies. Only um, the two. Other than, other than Curse. So I guess three, technically, man. Oh, yeah. You watched that, that dang old Woman King. Uh-huh. Okay. Yes, this just came out uh, last year, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, old Viola Davis. Tons uh-huh. of people in this thing. Um, it's pretty good, man. Like, yeah. the uh, the cinematography and everything, the message, it was a, a lot of very powerful stuff in there. I found it maybe a little boring. Oh, Okay. But it was still good and worth watching. Again, the cinematography alone, and like Viola Davis, man, she's always fucking bringing it. She's amazing. I'm actually really surprised she wasn't up for more like Oscar hype and stuff because of this, because she was really fucking good in it. Um, Yeah. Pretty cool movie. Pretty cool movie. Okay. I'll check that out. What else you watch? Dude, the only other thing that we watched, we put it on on a, just a Saturday afternoon brunch watch. We watched dang old Bullet Train on the Netflix, <laughs> and it to is a that. fucking delight, dude. Is it? Awesome. it is so good. Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been wanting to check that out. Just a uh, fun, dumb action movie, huh? It is honestly a blast to yeah. watch. Yeah, and honestly, less dumb than you're thinking it's gonna oh, be. Yeah? Like it, cool. it has it has so much Guy Ritchie in it. Like honestly, uh-huh. the movie feels like if you did a if if you put um snatch and john wick in the telepods from the fly and oh. you merged them together i think bullet train would come out okay so did you at any point hear the film saying kill me sure of course that is oh, okay. to be expected that's part okay, of the good, entire yeah. process but <laughs> awesome. you let it live so it can entertain you obviously obviously no yeah <laughs> Dude, but it totally has that that thing that movies like that have, where it's like there's a ton of characters in it, but they're all really cool, identifiable, big ass characters that you can, um, you know, keep up with, even though there's so many of them. Really stylized, great cinematography. It's it's fucking cool, man. I I definitely recommend. Like, don't even look at a cast list because oh, just right. let yourself be surprised by how many people are in this movie. Because okay. fucking everybody is in this movie, dude. Awesome. Yeah, let's check it out. It's on uh, on a Netflix, right? It's on a Netflix, and okay. I would definitely spend a Saturday watching it. I, I had a great time, man. I really enjoyed it a cool. lot, and I think you would, too. Yeah, awesome. I'll check that out. Uh, We've been on. Spe- yeah, speaking of uh, John Wick, uh, we, we watched John Wick 2 and 3. We had uh, started the Ooh. John Wick movies a couple weeks ago. Uh, John Wick 2 and 3, I man, it's a great fucking series. I'm excited to see part four whenever I get a chance. Um, I keep hearing it's good, man. Like everybody yeah. I've talked to has been like, "Yeah, it's three hours long, but it's a really fun three hours." Yeah, and I'm I'm excited for that. So yeah, John Wick, great series. If you haven't seen it, I don't know what's stopping you, but go watch it. Uh, we also watched M Night Shyamalan's new movie, Knock at the Cabin. And, I want to hear uh, about this, man. I got a friend that watched it and and enjoyed it pretty well, but yeah. I'm like. Mm-hmm. Just so skeptical about Shyamalan, considering what a pile of shit old was, man. Old is entertaining as a pile of shit. It is a pile I, of I shit. I definitely couldn't but, turn it off, you know? Right, exactly, yes. Uh, this is just, I mean, it's just a solid movie. I mean, it, it definitely... 
I I think the ending is meant to be ambiguous, but if it's not, it's very Shyamalan. Uh, it's not it's not like some weird twist or anything. Uh, it it is just like oh oh, like there's kind of a little late late game speech from a character that is like either this is because of something that happened to you earlier or this is just bad writing. I don't think it's bad mm-hmm. writing though. I think it's supposed to be ambiguous. So other than that though, everything else like fucking performances are great. It's it's well done. Like Dave Bautista is just so fucking good in it. He's great. Yeah. Uh we also watched a little movie called Sahara that came out in the early 2000s with uh Matthew McConaughey, Penelope Cruz, uh, Steve's on. I had never seen this it. This sounds familiar. I feel like maybe I have seen this. Maybe, yeah. I mean, it, it, it is. It made a good bit of money back in the day. Uh, it reminded me of National Treasure, Indiana Jones type of stuff. Uh, fun. It was a fun movie. I had a good time with it. Nice. Yeah. Uh, then we also watched a little movie called American Pie. That's oh, right. Oh, I've heard of that one. I've yeah. heard of that one, man. Uh huh. <laughs> Yes. How'd that hold up for you? Because I remember like a couple of years ago on the show, mm-hmm. I went and rewatched it and I, I had my thoughts about it. But like, when's the last time you saw that and how does it hold up for you? Uh, last time I saw it was probably in the 90s, but... Yeah, it was the same yeah, for me. So it came out in 99. So the last time I saw it was probably the first time I saw it. But not that I didn't like it. It was just like, yeah, whatever. Um, I think it holds up except for one scene. I think... The the uh, uh, obvious fucking uh, don't uh, stream someone's naked body to your friends uh, scene. Like, what the fuck is going on there? Because, oh. like, everything yeah. else is a good teen movie. I think it's solid as fuck. I think, like, it, it really, like, uh, questions sort of the 80s teen movie idea of, like, losing your virginity being so important and all that. Like, Right. Um, but that, that scene, uh, Shannon Elizabeth being broadcast to a, a ton of people naked, like, I know that it's like, yeah, he gets embarrassed too, but that's it's not equal <laughs> not equal you can't yeah yeah no. see whenever you said one thing hadn't aged well in this movie i thought that you were gonna talk about how like just nobody's fucking apple pies anymore because obviously <laughs> pumpkin <laughs> pie is like really yeah, enjoying the time in the spotlight about right now the most fuckable pies and we the most fuckable pies <laughs> we did actually talk about that on the show yeah yes, we, we did. did talk about that on the show yeah. i think we came Shit. to the conclusion that those japanese cheesecakes are the best ones to fuck that looks so fluffy you know yeah. <laughs> is uh, it a cake or is it a pie i don't know exactly but i think that the apple pie has kind of fallen out of vogue i think it's a little too pure a little too virginal you know yeah. i think we're yeah we're, we're, you know, we're, we're embracing just uh, being a little slutty these days, right? It's true. And, I mean, a pumpkin uh, pie? I mean, Damn, that thing is showing. It is. It is showing. And, and let me tell you, I that scene, like, Eugene Levy's reactions to all of the stuff his son does is so wholesome. Like, yeah. watching back on <laughs> yeah. this movie and knowing that it precedes the 2000s era of movies that uh, Anna and I have kind of rewatched recently and, like, just parts of them don't hold up well because there's that real strong element of, like, 
calling everything gay to mean bad throughout the 2000s yeah and then like just that and cursed as well maybe yeah we'll talk about it yeah like a lot of homophobia and like the thing is that like it's interesting because american pie still has it but it's shown to be bad like stifler is shown to be a wrong character so his homophobia is wrong i get what you mean though like that that movie you know watching it I believe I said this whenever I rewatched it a couple of years ago, but like watching it as a teenager uh-huh. versus watching it as an adult and you see how ridiculous these teenagers ideas of yeah, yeah. sex and losing your virginity and all this right. stuff are. Yeah. It, it's a very different experience watching that movie as a grown up than it did when it came out in the 90s when we were kids. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, my the experience is, is very much just seeing them make all the mistakes. And that's like right. good writing, right? Is that like... It works for teenagers who are watching it and just being like, fuck yeah. But then like it also works when you're an adult and you think back like, yeah, I did think like that. And oh, wow, this show is like, yeah, that's wrong. It's not the way to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. Like I I think it it stands up more than I way more than I expected, honestly. Yeah, Uh, totally. uh, A movie that doesn't. doesn't stand up as much as i even expected ski school i've talked about this recently because i had rewatched it and been like oh yeah. man that doesn't hold up just a lot of gay jokes uh rewatching it in it is still fun it just doesn't hold up it is oh. it, the movie doesn't make any fucking sense honestly it is just a series of sketches uh, that is, is is largely just carried by how charismatic Dean Cameron was in the eighties. So, uh, but the reason I watched it is because they just re they recently did it on uh, a- another podcast about bad movies. Uh, we're not a podcast about bad movies. I'm just saying there's another podcast, and it's about bad movies. How did this get made? Um, we it, they just r- covered it and when they were talking about it i was like okay wait so other people do enjoy this movie still um and, and i've seen it like referenced in comedies and stuff a good bit so i started looking it up while we were watching it cuz i just remember it coming on like showtime or cinemax all the fucking time back in the day it made $15,000 in the box office Oh, I don't think any movie that's made $15,000 has had the same level of cultural impact. Not that it's huge, but that it's there. (laughs) If you know it, you know it, right? Yeah, if you know Ski School, you know it. So check out Ski School, but, you know, go into it knowing it's very some. It's 80s as hell. Uh, We also watched the uh, 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 Spike Jones, Charlie Kaufman being John Malkovich, which I haven't oh, seen in a long yeah. time. Fuck God yeah, dude. Damn, that movie's so good. It has been a long time since I've seen that one, too. Like, I, I bet it's probably been since, like, college days that I watched that one. But that is just a fucking incredible, I think, timeless movie, dude. Absolutely. Yeah, like, um, I mean, even, even like, uh, still very relevant. I mean, like, the moment that... Oh, I can't remember Cameron Diaz's character's name. Lottie. The moment that Lottie enters a male body, uh, he knows he's a man. Like, it's Cameron Diaz in, like, the most unflattering makeup possible. And the second that Lottie is in a male body and feels a penis, 
is just like I'm a man. <laughs> like that it's like so like trans forward thinking hmm. for 1999. Mm-hmm. Not that I mean obviously there were trans people in 1999, tons of them. But it it is it is just like immediate and like we're shown that the guy who is a bad person, John Cusack, immediately shuts her down and denies that that's a possibility. So like mm. I like Charlie not that, you know, I had any reason to doubt Charlie Kaufman would be uh, a uh, sympathetic soul. It's clear in 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 his writing, but I had forgotten that element of the movie and that like me too, uh, yeah. Yeah, that like, you know, Catherine Keener and and uh um Cameron Diaz end up together and and they have their daughter, you know, like there there's there's just so much like cool stuff in that movie. And one of the things that like I had kind of forgotten is that like, yeah, John Malkovich was like respected and known for like being an amazing actor. But other than say like con air at this point, like I don't think your average person would know a ton of his roles. So the joke that like everybody is like, Oh, it's that guy. And they can't remember a role he's in is really funny. Like that never hit me. When I saw it back then, it was just like, yeah, John Malkovich. We all know John Malkovich. Of course, they'd make a movie now, about yeah. being John Malkovich. But like, the fact that they did that, and he, you know, he was an amazing actor, but like, he didn't have the immediate bankability that you put his name in the title and it's gonna sell. So it was like a huge risk for him actually to take that role to to be like, okay, let's make a movie where my name is in the title of the fucking movie, and if it fails. <laughs> I'll always be associated with a failure of a movie. Damn, that has your name on it. That is yeah. a pretty bold move when it you is. think about it. Absolutely, yeah. So, I yeah, that movie's great. And Catherine Keener is so fucking good in it. She's anyway. amazing, dude. I think yeah. she's so underrated. Like, she's always fucking awesome. Well, I mean, you know, she's she's well rated among among Hollywood, you know, because she got she got nominated for that and stuff. Like, I think everybody in Hollywood recognizes, but yeah, your average person doesn't know Catherine Keener, probably. Like, she, but I mean, she's amazing. I mean, she, even recently we've seen her in stuff like uh, Get Out and Brand New Cherry Flavor, and she fucking kills it. She's awesome. Shit, yeah. Yeah, uh, we also we were because because the greasy strangler that we watched like a week ago, it sticks right, with yeah. you, and, and so the director of that directed another movie called An Evening with Beverly Lynn that has Aubrey Plaza, Craig Robinson, Matt Berry, and Jermaine Clement. What? Uh, yeah, <laughs> and so we were like, okay, fuck? like I'm, yeah, I'm very into that that cast and uh, you know i'm interested in seeing what else this this director does and uh it reminded me of greasy strangler in in several ways but it's also probably way more approachable and way less like it's, it's definitely not gonna make you want to throw up at any point for sure um i don't think i don't remember a point where i wanted to throw up but it still had that same <laughs> like good. yeah it still had that same level of absurdist humor and stuff and you know just great performances and whatnot that's on netflix if if you're looking for a fun comedy or a weird comedy check that out definitely worth a watch okay Uh, interesting and then on friday night in the screaming chat where we uh, get together on discord and watch a movie and chat about it uh, we watched Surf Nazis Must Die, which is a trauma, trauma movie from the early trauma. 80s. Trauma movie. Mm-hmm. 
early mid eighties. Um, it's well, okay. I agree with the title. 100%. Uh, the surf Nazis, they need to die. Sure. And what are they doing for us? Exactly. uh, Hey, who's voted these surf Nazis in anyway, but the ending, like the ending by the time you come to it is very cathartic and fucking rules, but it takes a long time to get there. But it's also like, it's interesting because it's a trauma movie. So it's got like a lot of like trauma e stuff, but it's still, uh, you know, if you're looking for a, a dumb, gross movie to throw on in the background and, you know, pay attention for the last 10 minutes to get the catharsis. There you go. Surf Nazis must die. There you go. Um, and then we, on Sunday night, watched a movie called Let the Wrong One In, which is on our, um, uh, Shudder. That's right. It's on Shudder. And it is an Irish vampire comedy. Oh. Yeah. Definitely, uh, you know, if you're if you're American, you'll probably need the subtitles because they're very Irish. But, I am uh, and I will. There you go. But it's worth a watch. It's funny. Uh, I had a fun time. I enjoyed it. It's a little bit like it drags a little bit at times, like the pacing's a little off, but the humor is fun. Uh, performances are really funny. A lot of great, like just blood splashing gore. Even though there is like a little that. like not great CGI, there's there's a ton of of real cool gore. Definitely worth a watch. Damn, sounds cool. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, we we've, we've watched a good bit of stuff this week. Damn man, just a week of watching. Hopefully, I get some time to check out some more good stuff here soon because I am just due for a good old movie watch. I tell you what. Yeah, yeah. I I hope you you get to sit down and do that because, buddy. Me too. Let man. me tell you, I. Watching a movie make you feel real good. Have a good little time. Makes your bad feelings turn into good feelings. Yeah, it does. It's like you, you get out of here. You, you come in here. <laughs> it, it amazing. Okay, well that's yeah. high praise for those things. So I definitely gotta get me some of those good feelings in me sometime. I gotta expel my negative body theatins by watching some good movies. <laughs> right. That's right. We that's forgot that to tell you guys this is a Scientologist horror podcast. Sure. Let's talk yeah. about Xenu. <laughs> How about that Xenu, right? All right. How about that Xenu. Do you, <laughs> do you think you hear that a lot in the Scientology Center area there in Florida? How about How that Xenu? Huh? Hey, buddy. How about him? You know? <laughs> what do you think? They say. Yeah. Uh-huh. You got them body things? Let's get them out of you. I'll tell you what, all this Scientology talk, it's just making me think about getting audited, which is kind of like taking a quiz, is it not? It is kind of like taking a quiz, yes. Whoa, like a quiz in the preview palace? Welcome to the preview palace. It's just like that. (laughs) Wolfpack edition, holy shit. uh Now this movie that we're talking about today, Cursed, Mm -hmm. is uh, of course dealing with, you know, one Scientologist favorite area of interest in the horror world werewolves oh my gosh werewolves, werewolves. john travolta werewolves. i'm john travolta oh it's a werewolf oh my gosh <laughs> i just have i gotta wonder if i was in a wolf pack where would i fit in oh um, hey um, oh werewolf maybe we got to find out maybe we got to find out that about us by consulting some witches and wizards over at buzzfeed steve yeah, yeah, we we might uh, present to them the question, 
uh, 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 hey, where would I fall in a Wolfpack structure? And they're like, hey, answer these questions. We got you, pal. Damn, dude. We got mm-hmm. a, ourselves nine questions we're going to answer here to find out where we are in that Wolfpack. Now, Steve, in your friend group, uh-huh. are you the leader? Right. Floater. Okay. Clown. Uh huh. The parent. Now, I don't know what any of these roles fully mean, but I'm going to go with they clown. They are vague. They are. Okay. I'll, I'll be the clown. Sure. I like that. Though I don't like clowns. Mm, oh, but you yeah. always clowning, huh? Mm-hmm. Troublesome. It is. Um, these are very vague. I, I'm just going to say floater. I feel like I have to constantly be like, I might be able to do that thing, but maybe not because there's a lot of things going on. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's I feel accurate. like that's me a lot of the time. So sure. I'm just going to go with that. Ben, pick an activity. And these four are highly related and they're very often put up as options of things to do. They oh. are. Navigating through a corn maze. Like you do. Baking. <laughs> partying. Listening to music. Which Damn. would you like to do? <laughs> you know what? None of those things are related at all or things that I think most people nope. could relate to doing. This is a well-constructed <laughs> quiz. Yeah. But you know, I was recently hanging out with, with my buddy, Mitch Trueblood, as well uh-huh. as our buddy, Tom mm-hmm. Green. Not uh-huh. that Tom Green, a different Tom Green. Gotcha. Uh, he looks like the singer of Meshuggah. He's a really great guy. Cool. We were talking about organizing ourselves just a little night where we get together every now and then and just uh, probably inhale libations and just uh-huh. put on some fucking records through a great stereo system and just sit and listen to them and talk about them. I think that sounds fucking great. Yeah, it like, does just sound great. Sit down and listen through a whole album and then talk about it. Sign me the fuck up. I'm going to say, listening to the music, Doobie Brothers style. Oh, whoa, listen to a music. <laughs> how about it? How about it? All the time. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, I really thought you were building up to navigating through a corn maze, and I thought that was going to be really funny. Like, that'd be, you know, that'd be cool too, I guess. Deciding to get together every once in a while, go to a Navigate corn maze. <laughs> I'm going to pick baking um, because because I like to cook and that's a fun thing to do. Uh, ben. Oh, is that so? It is. You would describe yourself as fun, <gasps> independent, caring, hardworking. Hardworking, as evidenced by the fact that I just said I'm constantly having to bail on stuff because I'm fucking working all the time. Hardworking to a fault, to a fucking fault. I would describe myself as caring, I guess, of those. Uh, I'm not exactly fun nor independent, so (laughs) that's what I'm going with. You're caring. All right, Steve, what annoys you the most? Okay. When people ignore your ideas... When people are uptight, mm-hmm. when someone won't forgive me, or when people won't stop talking. I hope not, because you're on Ooh. a podcast right now. It's kind of dependent on people not stopping talking. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I mean, for me, uh, of these four, I'm... Oh, gosh, I'm struggling between uptight people and when someone won't forgive me. I'm going to go with when someone won't forgive me. Uh, I am not a fan of that. How about that? Just let it go, homie. Let it, let go. it go. Just like you're let in Frozen. Go. I'm going to say when people ignore my ideas, Steve, I'm an idea man. Anybody that's listened to this show knows 
I present so many ideas. We talked about slam pain, which is champagne for bros. <laughs> right. Uh huh. I've did. got a hell of a pitch at the end of this episode. You guys are yeah, gonna check out. It's gonna wait. blow your you mind. Just wait until you hear about That's it. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. I talked about um, um, protein, which is the only protein source that is 100% verified not made of cum. I'm full of great ideas, dude. Not made of cum full at of all. Great ideas. Not an ounce 100%. of cum in it. Name another what, what? protein source that is verifiably not made <laughs> of human man semen. Name what if one. there's like a little asterisk and it's like 0.001% maybe cum? <laughs> Could be. I mean, anything like, is it's possible. Like you, you can't get all of the cum out of the protein shake. No, like, never. I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're living in reality here, but, you know, it's not there oh, on purpose. Boy. We didn't put it in well, there to be, you know, deceitful or anything. Right. We've 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 got a question here that is entirely visual, which works great in a podcast. So Hey, ben- that's okay. All of our listeners, they check out Tool, their third eye is open, they're here to oh, visualize yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Which purple pe- picture pe- pur- which pur- purple pur- picture pur- 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 speaks pur- to ye? <laughs> we got like a like a, a a shot of some lightning and a storm at night. We got what looks very much to me like a pink background with some lemons on it, but maybe that's purple. It's not very purple. Yeah. No. It's not very then purple. we have like, a, a, I guess it's the, the, day, the daytime sky lit somewhat by the sun and rain, so there's a little bit of purple in there. Uh, well, and then yeah. there's, a, there's a, I guess, sunrise or sunset with a little bit of purple in there. Not <sighs> a lot, though. Not a lot. <laughs> anyway, which one speaks not a lot to you? You know what? I th- I, I'm going to go with them old mountains down there because it makes me want to go on a ring-destroying quest oh, with hobbits okay. and elves. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I like that. I'm going to go with the one that has no purple just for fun. All right. The, there you go. The pink Why with don't you lemons. Just be that way? Yeah. <laughs> Steve, what's your dream job? Are you an entrepreneur? Are you a musician sure. slash artist? Uh-huh. A teacher or idk? Okay, listen. Or ID, IDK? What's that spell? I don't know. It, entrepreneur, IDK, musician slash artist, all the exact same thing, right? Yeah, mostly. <laughs> yeah, These days, yeah. yes. My dream jobs is, is musician slash artist, meaning I'm going to be an entrepreneur and I don't know how I'm going to get there. <laughs> that does some it all. And, and also, too, you know what? At the same time... I have somehow managed to do all these because yeah, I, I am a say, you are also YouTube a teacher. teacher who's a business <laughs> owner, but I also do all kinds of other shit, like a horror yeah. podcast every week. I don't know. I don't somehow know. Somehow I'm doing all these. Yeah, somehow. I Yeah, I'm definitely going to go with I don't know, because when I grow up, I'll figure it out. How about you? I'll just go as musician artist. Fuck it. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> sounds about right. Ben, what's your i? Where is your ideal location for a home? In a secluded forest, in oh. a mountain village, in a countryside neighborhood, by the ocean. I mean, I live in a city now, and I kind of like that. I wish that was sort of yeah. An option, that's right? not an option, seemingly. Yeah. 
a mountain village sounds annoying. Like you're up there in the yeah. mountains, you have to go a hundred miles to get to anything, and you're just surrounded by neighbors and stuff. That sounds really yeah. miserable. Yeah, I'm gonna say by the ocean. I want to be right near the beach, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, I I think uh, yeah, the the ocean is great. Uh, the other option for me is secluded forest. I love I love going to a cabin just out in the middle of nowhere, nobody else around. It's fun. It's fun time. Until you get that that knock on the cabin door, and then somebody's oh, like, shit. "Somebody's gonna Dave kill Batista's somebody." Like, listen, I'm I'm gonna be real gentle, and I've got some questions. <laughs> All <laughs> <What>? right, <laughs> Steve, which accessory could you not live without? Is it your backpack, bag, or purse? Your statement shoes, fun sunglasses, or cute jewelry? Um, Ju- jewel, ju- jewelry, jewelry. <laughs> You had a little bit of a speech impediment there. It's more fun that way. It's it more is, fun to it say. Is. Which I accessory can I not live without? Um, boy, I'm gonna get. Oh, I, I'm gonna say statement shoes. I, yeah. I, uh, I, I do like to bust out my Jordans or my shining Vans or whatever Look every out. once in a while. Look out! And I don't mm-hmm, really. I mean. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, uh, fun sunglasses. I I like for sunglasses just to fulfill their 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 duty. So I'm gonna go with statement shoes. What about you? Well, you know, as far as the sunglasses goes, that's why you wear those really thick white Oakleys with the shiny blue lenses and make uh, <laughs> yeah. videos about society in your truck. <laughs> just purely functional. Those purely aren't Oakleys. Functional. I don't know what brand that brand is called, but yeah, those white supremacists <laughs> do love it. <laughs> I love that you're defending Oakleys right now. Well, I <laughs> don't, don't talk about Oakleys Oakley. like that. Listen, the Bash Brothers shouldn't be caught up in this. <laughs> okay, all right, that's fair. That's fair. I'm gonna have to double up, double up on you here and yeah. say statement shoes. Statement man. shoes, yeah, because yeah, I I've discovered as a person that just like wears black basically all the time, head to toe. Man, you yeah. can have some fun with a loud shoe. Exactly, you can yeah, have some fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's the way to go. So. One last question, Ben. What is it? We've got finally, Steve. Click the word that jumps out to you of these four words. This is a stupid quiz. Okay. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Okay, Steve. Here's your choices. Safe. Ah. Explore. Mm. Moment. Gotcha. Or bubbles. (gasps) I'm going to go with explore. It jumped out to me, so... There we go. What about you? I'm going to go with bubbles because I like champagne. Yeah, All right. Great. So calculating awesome. our results right now. Steve, oh my gosh. My results. Mm-hmm. This is speaking to me. What did you get? Well, I mean, listen, this, this quiz was very important to me because as we know, the observations about wolf packs that established the alpha, beta, gamma, sigma, all that stuff. Uh, absolute horseshit. Not true. So the answer is going to be real important to my life. Um, I am the gamma wolf. I'm gamma. unique, humorous, and loved by all. Just make sure to do <gasps> oh. my job and my, my pack will go far. Oh my gosh. Also, you give Bruce Banner his powers to become the Hulk. Yeah, it says that right here. <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> that's a good thing. I mean, yeah. otherwise, uh, he's not going to go out of engine. Uh, yeah, yeah. He probably would just stay in his lab and like work on stuff, you know, nothing cool. Maybe, you know, Boring. maybe every once in a while the Avengers would be like, hey, nerd, help us out or whatever. But Probably, man. Yeah. Mm. What'd you get? 
Man, you can't tell me nothing I don't already know. I'm a one-man lone wolf wolf pack, Steve. Who needs a pack? You're resourceful and captivating, and you prefer to spend time by yourself. Just Mm -hmm. make sure not to reject opportunities, and you'll go on to do great things. I definitely don't have a problem rejecting opportunities. I probably should learn how to reject more. Are you telling me that the witches and wizards... Over at BuzzFeed, got this one wrong, Ben? Never. 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 No. You I'm listen. Just, I'm misreading the signs, man. You need to learn to reject even more things they're saying. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, yeah. my God, dude. I'm telling you, dude. I'm telling you. Well, now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Yep. Oh, woo-woo! <laughs> All right, Steve, let's talk about the subject of today's show, Cursed, from 2005. And I'll tell you, man, until you suggested it on last week's episode for this to be the movie that we're going to cover, I had never heard of this movie. I never talked to anybody who has seen this movie. This was a total mystery to me. But you were like, oh, yeah, it's a werewolf movie by the team that did Scream. Right. It's got like a huge cast with uh-huh. Christina Ricci and tons of other people. I'm like, how the fuck have I never heard of this movie? Yeah, no, I mean, when uh, 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 Anna suggested that we watch it, I had never heard of it, but same thing happened to me. It was like, oh, okay, well, I'll watch it. And I, I think this was like six months ago or something like that. And watching it, I was like, huh, that was fun. It was a fun time. I don't know why I haven't heard of that. It's, it's weird. Yeah. Uh, let me get in to why you haven't heard of it this is because I'm, I'm i'm interested here man insane. i mean this was kind of in the in the era of early 2000s movies where a lot of people were going to the theater and watching horror right. flicks i mean this is the era of final destination and i know what you did last right. summer yeah. and all that kind of shit and somehow this one just slipped through the cracks yeah well i mean okay so this is this is um it was originally like announced in October of 2002, Kevin Williamson had written the script a couple of years earlier, and the original script was about um, a serial killer who is like rampaging through New York City, and there, there there was a twist in the end that he was a werewolf. Like oh. he just didn't know that's what was happening. Um, and let me just uh, go ahead and read that awesome cast list for you of people that were in that movie. That of course would be Christina Ricci, right? We we sure. ju- we just watched her. She's great. Jesse Eisenberg, obviously. Skeet Ulrich, you'll remember his part, right? Do you remember From Skeet Ulrich's Cream. part? I don't remember him in this. No, you don't remember Skeet Ulrich's part. That's crazy. I mean, but okay, okay. If you don't remember Skeet Ulrich's part, you certainly remember uh, John C. McGinley's part. Do I, no? I, I don't remember him in here at all. Oh, you don't? Oh, that's weird. Okay, well, if you don't remember that, then you definitely remember Scott Foley and Omar Epps and uh, James Brolin and Ileana Douglas and Robert Forrester what? and Corey Feldman and Mandy Moore and Heather Langenkamp. Uh, you remember all the, You remember them in this movie, right? The, the cast of this movie? No? That's not the movie I saw. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> huh. It's weird because like in, in in 2003, Wes Craven made a movie with those people. It's 90 minutes long, didn't have an ending, and didn't have effects yet, but that was the movie he made in 2003 off the Kevin Williamson script. 
What the fuck? (laughs) The Weinsteins decided that they didn't want to proceed with the movie. And they told Rick Baker, whose effects company had been working on the effects, and Rick Baker said, hey, we can go ahead and finish these in the next month, so if you pick up the the movie you can you can finish it off and they said no need it not interested move on and so then they decided to make a different movie basically they couldn't get what almost any of those people back except for christina ricci and, and jesse eisenberg and some of the others judy greer some of the other people who were were uh heavy in this uh, so they had to recast most of those roles to uh, make the movie. But then, after, of course, uh, like 19, 20 weeks of the first uh, movie being made, they they had them come in for another 20-day shoot, which is enough time to make an entire independent film. Um, yeah. Another 20-day shoot. Didn't like what they had then. After, you know, having taken all those other people out of the movie, brought all these other new people in, you know, including like uh, Joshua Jackson, um, fucking Portia de Rossi, uh, Maya, uh, all, all the people that were brought in to replace the others uh, and cutting a whole bunch of like uh, cameos like Nicole Richie and and uh, Corey Feldman. They then, after that, had another 10 days of reshooting with a rewritten ending because the original ending was that Joshua Jackson, who in the movie is, it seems Joshua Jackson, the actor knows I'm not guilty and didn't do anything wrong because the ending of the second shoot was that he begs, um, uh, Christina Ricci to kill him so that the curse will be lifted off of her and her brother. Okay. But they didn't like that ending, even though it tested really well. So they went back in for 10 days of reshoots where they redid the ending, where now he's just evil for no reason. Uh, and then... What? They had another uh, bit of reshooting there for uh, for just a, a few days. So they, they did four rounds of reshoots. Apparently on the fourth round of reshoots, Holy the crew shit. had shirts made that uh, said uh, Cursed Four on them (laughs) it's like they were basically in the process of like making entire movies along this way and so much of it just got scrapped and thrown out absolutely like just never to be be seen against it it, it seems because uh uh we've we've been told i guess kind of in the past few years that like the the original cut still exists but it doesn't have an ending and it doesn't have effect so that really can't be released the second cut still exists without any effects and then the third cut still exists um without without the effects finish so those things are still in existence the editor who was hired for six weeks to edit this movie who ended up working 19 months on this project has all three of those but they're not sure who owns the rights, so it's not like they can just release those things so people can see them. And it's not exactly a popular movie, because as you said, I've never heard of it. you never heard of it. Um, so, unfortunately, basically, the Weinsteins came in, uh, got 
Wes Craven off of another film. He was working on Pulse, which would end up coming out in 2006. He was he was about to go into production on that. They paid him twice his rate to work on Cursed, but then he ended up having to work on the movie for two and a half years. Holy shit. Two and a half years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, this movie's okay, but it should not take that no. fucking long to make. Like, This is the kind of movie that I would expect was made over 20 days or something. Absolutely. I mean, well, when you say 20 weeks originally with the budget, which was like, I, you know, something pretty high, like somewhere in like 50, 50 million ish range. When you look at the budget in 20 weeks, you think, oh, this, you know, why, why is it not more well known? And why did the effects turn out the way they turned out? Well, as I said, you know, they had Rick Baker doing the effects, but then they scrapped everything he did basically. Brought in K and B. Fuck yeah, K and B. That's on a level with Rick Baker. That's a fucking lateral yeah. move. But then they didn't really go with most of K and B's practical stuff, and then just replaced it with cheap CGI. So huh. that's the story of how the Weinstein's took a home run movie that couldn't miss and turned it into absolute dog shit. Which is interesting because we just talked about that with Scream Three. Which came out just uh, uh, 2000, three years before this went into production. Dude. Yeah. So, not. I mean, we know the Weinsteins suck, clearly. We know Harvey Weinstein's an absolute piece of shit. But oh, yeah. What, what the fuck was going on in this period of time? What were they doing? Why were they self-sabotaging so fucking much? I just wonder, too, like... Because the movie opens telling us this is directed by Wes Craven. True, mostly. I, they did have a, a second director come in for some of the reshoots. Um, written by Kevin Williamson. Untrue, largely. Uh, and then... Yeah, it sounds uh, like nothing was left of his right. fucking script. And then special effects by Richard Baker. False. Rick Baker. <laughs> Richard Baker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> special effects by Rick Baker. Basically fucking entirely False. So like it's wow. it, it's like the Weinstein's were like oh you don't like this well he, here are the people to blame not us it was Kevin Williamson and Rick Baker like <laughs> dude real pieces of shit man real pieces of shit and, and like I mean after after Kevin made that company so much fucking money yeah, scream with, with scream yeah scream and it's still making Miramax so much fucking money like they owe everything to Kevin Williamson and the fact that they didn't like. I don't know, like, they didn't stick with his original script. I mean, looking at, because you can go and see, because Entertainment Tonight did, like, a behind-the-scenes thing in 2003 when they were shooting, and there's, like, a bunch of pictures from Fangoria of, like, the second shoot with the KMB practical effects. You go and look at those pictures, this was going to be a home-run movie. And they fucking killed it for some reason. Just killed it. Killed this movie. What the fuck, dude? Yeah, I don't get it. I but don't like, get it at all. I, I gotta wonder if there was some kind of behind-the-scenes beef that that led to this kind of just vindictiveness. Yeah, there had to have been. But, like, they, they, they were fucking themselves, too, though. Because you take Wes Craven, who, you know, the man at the time was making movies left and fucking right, and now he can't make movies left and right. He got paid double his normal rate, but he should have been working on this for six months, not two and a half years. So he's losing money. Like you're just fucking over all these people 
because what? And then also, like, even when it was going to finally go out, it was supposed to be rated R, and the fucking Weinsteins came in and cut it down to PG-13. For what wow. reason? I don't fucking know. Dude, it is seriously like they were out to sabotage this entire thing from ever being the movie that it could be. Like, right. it's, it's honestly... Not, not to just completely, you know, uh, unbury the lead, but it's a miracle that this turned out to be still pretty good. Yeah, it's a fun movie. <laughs> yes, it's that's not crazy, bad. Like, right? Like as Wes much as Craven, they tried to fuck it up. Yeah, Wes Craven still pulled something together. The editor still made something out of it. Fucking uh, 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 Christina Ricci and Jesse Eisenberg, who were like two of the only people who were on, like, who were in the majority of the movie and were on board from the beginning. Uh, are great like they continue even though they're getting you know com- in a completely different movie and they're shooting for fucking ever and having to come back for all these reshoots they keep bringing wow. it. um judy greer she on on board from the beginning she keeps bringing it like it's great like the the bits that are, that we've got are actually really fun it's it's not a great movie but it's fun i cannot imagine the absolute hell that it was to be the editor for these two and a half years being handed <laughs> a ton of footage being like okay cut all this stuff into a movie that's about the original script and then like oh a few months later hey listen you got to scrap a lot of that stuff that you cut together here's some more footage now make it about this then a few months later <laughs> well, hey, well can you make it update. about this yeah what like what is that like to be handed all of that shit and told to make a thousand different things it's like fucking working at taco bell and just like hey here's some meat and vegetables and tortillas uh arrange it this way now it's okay arrange it another way now could you try another way (laughs) like holy shit it is it is it's crazy that like I, I don't know, like, how many bridges were they willing to burn? Because when you talk about both of these cast lists that we've got, the, the original one and the, the replacement one, great fucking list. You got Wes Craven. You're fucking burning a bridge there. Kevin Williamson, you're, you're like, fucking him over. Rick Baker, you're fucking him over. KMB, you're throwing their shit out. Like, what? what? Are you just... It's like going into a Hollywood party and just punching everybody you see. What are they doing? It makes no sense. Doing? I, but they wow. I mean, Miramax continued. Miramax still exists, and they still made movies, and Kevin Williamson still worked with them. So I guess in the end, they didn't lose too much, but fucking, they did lose a lot of money because they ended up spending uh, around $100 million on this after all the fucking shooting and stuff, and that wow. didn't translate to the box office. They made around $30 million. So but they lost a like lot they, of money. they didn't have any kind of definite plan of what they wanted to do and they just started shooting and then kept changing their mind as they went like why didn't they just firm up a script of well, what the they script wanted was firm. they just didn't want it apparently they didn't want what they Jesus. had yeah it, it really was like they didn't rush this into production or anything it, w- it was gonna be what it was gonna be i yeah i just don't think yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just the height of hubris where you're like, you know, what are people? What are people going to stop working with us? Like, of course they're not. Um, I I don't know, man. But I mean, to get to the to the movie and and out of the production issues themselves, like, wow, 
the movie is is fun. Like I, I like it. I have fun with it. If somebody were to say I want to throw this on at a party, I'd be like, "Fuck yeah, cursed, awesome." I wouldn't be mad at all. Yeah. I mean, th- this really does have, you know, the, the the feel that I get from movies that I watch from this era, which I'll always be kind of nostalgic for, just because of when I grew up. I mean, it does have that, you know, two thousands, early two thousands pop horror movie feel. Yeah, it's fun, but slightly elevated because you have a great cast uh-huh. and essentially good people running the show behind it so right like, other it than feels, the shitty producers capable. yeah you've, you've yeah <laughs> well the shitty executive producers the rest of the production didn't have anything as far as i understand weren't making that happen it was it was the weinstein so i i i think it's just like a miracle that it comes out the way it does i mean there are some little things that like i'll, I'll like you know quibble with and not to say even if you fix those it's a perfect movie in any way but the 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 things i'd quibble with largely seem to be the result of the production like it it at times it feels to me like christina ricci and jesse eisenberg are about to fuck but they're brother and sister but i was getting that in the original script they're not brother and sister like at all they're unrelated (laughs) they're not they're not even friends they are just strangers that's it like no yeah uh, and so some of the scenes that are in this movie were shot with the two of those acting as if they were not brother and sister, but rather just strangers that ended up in the situation. Well, okay, so here's I, I had to like really dig down on that, and like Jesse Eisenberg said in an interview about it that uh, basically like out of, out of the original um, footage, only about twelve minutes is used. And hardly any Whoa. of it, yeah, hardly any of it is acting. So most, like he he said, it was like you know just like shots of like a car rolling down a hill or whatever. Like so, a lot of the stunt stuff and whatnot that had already been shot was was reused, but not a ton of the acting stuff. So my theory is that those two had been in an entire movie together, and. Then had to work together, essentially like shooting, taking around six months total. They had been hanging out on set together for six months. I feel like maybe they just were attracted to each other and that just comes across in some of those scenes. You know what? It it wasn't intentional, I don't think, right? (laughs) Wow, dude. Yeah. That is so fucking crazy. They weren't even supposed to be related. No, no. uh, Yeah, it was supposed to be three strangers. Um, it, it, it was going to be uh, uh, Christina Ricci, Jesse Eisenberg, and Skeet Ulrich uh, that end up getting attacked after a car crash. So, like that, that opening car crash would have still happened, but it would have been all three of them as strangers running into each other and then like, getting attacked by a werewolf out in the woods. And then they begin like this, you know, attempt to kill this werewolf to yeah uh, no longer be werewolves or whatever. So yeah, I gotta that, say, dude, that opening is really part of what sold me on this. I mean, it starts yeah. and it's at this carnival, and it's like obviously very millennial. It's like you've got fucking Shannon Elizabeth, or what, is that her name? Shannon Elizabeth. Shannon Elizabeth, yeah, uh huh. Maya yeah, yeah. and, Maya, and Rossi. Portia de Rossi. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, like all in this scene together and stuff, and then yeah, you have that 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 car crash, and whenever Jesse Eisenberg is like trying to rescue Shannon Elizabeth from her seat and stuff, it's like okay, it's pretty good kind of tension stuff. And dude, that scene where like she's sitting back against the glass 
and suddenly gets yanked away by the yeah. werewolf behind her. It's cool. It's so well done. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. And then moments later, her like severed torso gets thrown across the woods and is like kind of trying to crawl away. And it uh-huh. looks fucking awesome. I was like, dude, I'm on board. This is killer. Yeah, yeah, it is really cool. The the severed torso, like trying to crawl and stuff. Yeah, the the, I mean, you can see CGI. It's to be expected, though. Like, I kind of like I would for I forgive that stuff. The 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 bit of CGI being a little not great at times. I feel like when you show the werewolf running and stuff, that's where you really needed to invest your CGI time. And they didn't. Yeah. They didn't or just at all. shoot it yeah. differently, more yeah. creatively. I mean, that, that that's the thing, man. And we so talked about this on last week's Van Helsing episode, but these people were just getting so overconfident in technology that was not up for what they were trying to do with it, no. man. Yeah, the, not at all. The CG in this is, is really bad. Yeah. Like, I watched the, uh, <laughs> the, the trailer for it before we turned the movie on, and it showed like... Like the scene where the dog like kind of turns feral uh-huh. and it looks like shit. It the was scene so where bad. Christina Ricci's like face kind of contorts and she bites that guy on the neck and yeah. it looks really fucking bad. Uh-huh. Um, it does. So like I said, whenever I saw like the severed torso scene, I was like, oh shit, this does have some cool practical effects in it. And and it does. Like the practical stuff is good. It's pretty dope. It Dude, is. That scene where like Maya is trapped in that, that elevator. Oh yeah. That's cool. And it's like yeah. just barely open at the bottom and the wolf, yeah. you know, you can see his face through it and his arms are reaching up through it. Like all of that is really dope. And then moments later, you're treated to like this. I don't know, man. There's something about CG from this era that everything looks like it weighs like featherweight. Yeah, like you've it's got the this worst. huge hulking werewolf that's supposed to be like stomping on hoods of cars and shit and it just looks like it doesn't weigh anything right it's really it's hard to describe but like if you have seen it you know what i'm talking about yeah and like it really sucks too because when you see the practical werewolf the costume and stuff which they only show like small snippets of you don't get a bunch of it it looks Mm -mm. great it looks really good like when he rips off that hood and just like grabs the the uh the alarm out of it rips it out it's like real fucking cool moment and uh the guy in the suit at that time is Derek mears who played uh jason in the remake which is not my favorite movie wow. but i know people like it but i do like Derek mears as jason i like Derek mears in general he, he's uh always fun as a stuntman oh, yeah, as somebody in a costume or just as himself um he he like does real well so when you do get to see him in the costume like he's got good like werewolf movement and presence but then the they switch to cg and it feels more weightless because yeah. you just saw this real good practical effect and now you're just seeing this shit just dude bleh. it's it's weak man and especially like I think one of the weakest parts in here is supposed to be kind of the cornerstone for any werewolf movie, especially one that has the name Rick Baker attached to it. The transformation scene in this really sucks. It sucks so bad. Somebody should have ducked behind a fucking large piece of furniture, a buffet, a Heppel White, something. Right? Yes. Sure. That that would have been better than that shitty ass plasticky fucking PS1 cutscene looking bullshit that we had instead. Like, honestly anything would have been better than that they just shouldn't have showed it yeah and i I just always wonder like like because you know we're talking about like hollywood producers are so invested in cgi 
that these assholes scrapped Rick Baker effects and KMB effects for what had to, when they looked at it, had to be like, yeah, that looks bad. I think that's terrible. Why did we do this? But they went, they no went way. for it anyway. Yeah. Nah, dude. And, and the funny thing is, is like, you know, at, at the time when the Weinsteins put this out and they put Williamson and Wes Craven and Rick Baker on Front Street for this. Yeah. I, I think that they were trying to just throw them under the bus. They must have been. smirch their yeah. names. But like now, now, especially knowing what we know about the Weinsteins. Yeah. Uh, we look at this and we're like, wow, these dumbasses cut off the nose <laughs> to spite their face. Yeah. They're so stupid. Yeah. I, I do love that at the very least that this is because uh, in 2018, when there was like the release the Snyder cut thing going on on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Some people started the release the Craven cut of Cursed. Which, like, got some attention, and that's why, like, we know that the editor still has three copies of it and and all that. Because, like, there was, like, this genuine push to maybe get some version of that original. But, of course, like, they're not going to put this. They've already thrown, you know, $100 million at this. They're not going to throw any extra money into making that a, a possibility. But people, people definitely, like, looking back have seen... Like, this is not Wes Craven's fault. This is not Kevin Williams' fault. It's not Rick Baker's fault. This is the Weinsteins made this shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, none of those other guys have the reputation of being fucking absolute (laughs) monsters. right. So it's probably not their fault. (laughs) Yeah, they they definitely weren't the problem here. I'll tell you, man, one thing that is not a problem in this is honestly the cast and everybody's acting. Like, everybody does Mm -hmm. a fucking good job, which is crazy knowing what went into this Mm -hmm. and how many times the deck got shuffled as they were working on this movie. (laughs) Somehow, everybody's performances are pretty fucking good good and there's a lot of big names in this there are i mean this is early jesse eisenberg so he's not a big name at the time he had just like made uh, an independent film that was kind of like popular which had gotten him this role but you can see in this role like oh that's the jesse eisenberg we're gonna get you know he's he's like that like uh kind of stumbling over his word cuteness thing going on but christina ricci proto michael Sarah, right <laughs> Uh, but Proto Christina Ricci, Sarah. of course, is is a star at this point. Like you know, we'd already had her as Wednesday Adams and several like independent films and stuff. She sure. she's bringing it. She's fucking awesome. And those scenes where she's, she's supposed to be like animalistic and whatnot, where she's like sniffing out the blood from her uh, nose bleeding coworker, like she's so fucking good in those moments. She's good. Yeah. Um. And then Pacey's in here. That's right. Pacey is in here. <laughs> <laughs> Joshua Jackson is in so many things I love, but I will say about Joshua Jackson that he he often doesn't leave an imprint on me. Yeah, like totally right. He he often does. Yeah, and and that's I I don't think that's his fault. He's thrown in here and like you know uh, all the reshoots and being shuffled in, but like uh, yeah he he's he's not got a lot uh, to do, but Judy Greer does, and she's fucking awesome. Um. Then you got like a lot of cameos. You got, you know, shit ass Scott Bayo. You got Craig Kilborn, who 
by the point by the time this movie came out was no longer the host of the late late show so it makes that had no to be sense awkward for him <laughs> it yeah. had to be I was wondering about that while we were watching i was like wait 2005 like is is this even still relevant anymore no. is this supposed <laughs> no. to be set in the past now and what? they really would have been like if they had gotten craig ferguson would have been a better move entirely because craig ferguson's so charming and he would have been much better in that scene where she like sucks the blood off of his finger um yeah well that end i was just so confused and i was like why is that singer from queens of the stone age hosting a late <laughs> show isn't this josh homie he does god damn yeah. it they look the same yeah you sent me that picture of them side by side they look the exact same it's crazy it's fucking yeah. eerie dude did you catch um super early nick offerman as nondescript yep. cop in mm-hmm. this yeah what? i love i love a catch nick offerman roles like in sin city right. and this and something else we did not long ago where she's like oh, wait fuck, he's in nick sin Off- city Yes, he's in Sin City. Yeah, he's in several scenes. He's one of the the um, background thug guys. I mean, he talks, so he's not no background. Shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yeah. Well, just another reason to rewatch that, I guess. Absolutely, sure. <laughs> but yeah, the, there's now, there's now, hang so on. many people. I got I got to back you up right here. Okay. You you used the phrase "shit ass" Scott Bayo, and uh-huh. you talking shit about Chachi. Uh, you know what? I don't even have to talk shit about Chachi. Just go to his Twitter. Uh, you'll find out. But I can tell you uh, historically that uh, he he in his youth uh, campaigned for Reagan and was invited to Reagan's funeral that he he attended. <laughs> um, Fine, he, upstanding young man. Uh, he he is a uh, a, uh, a fucking parkland school shooting denier he's uh trump fan he's um absolute piece of dog shit just real piece of shit person just 100 percent a piece of shit person and has been uh uh uh, uh, according to his co-star on uh charles in charge who was 14 at the time uh he uh apparently molested her so according according to her i'm so just saying Every Bad fucking guy. reason to hate Scott Bayo. He's a real piece of shit. You don't have to work hard to find reasons to, nope. to not like Chachi. Huh? Nope. But I mean, what Jody says about him, though, you know, what does she have to say? Let's hear Jody's side. <laughs> Let's just say hypothetically. Joni, what do you got? Yeah. Jody loves Chachi. Let's, Let's just, just say, say hypothetically. Hypothetically. We uh, also have a couple of other cameos in here, though. One, of course, bowling for soup as themselves there in the opening. <laughs> Dude, when the movie opened and With it was Bowling playing this like soup. really yeah. shitty millennial rock cover of Little Red Riding Hood, and I was like, "Oh yeah. man, this sucks!" And then it showed the band. And I was like, "Wait, is this Bowling for Soup?" It is Bowling for <laughs> Soup. It is sure is, and that is but a hey, shitty cover. Not that I don't like it. Bowling for Soup, but that is a shitty yeah. cover. Yeah. And then, you know, the movie bookends by closing out with some collective soul, dude. Yeah. Collective soul. Collective soul. That's that's the way you end a movie. Isn't that how Final Destination ends, too? Not the first one, but one of them ends with a collective soul song, right? <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure you're right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you've also got, and this is really interesting, uh, and in a way, I guess, to transition to what, uh, one of the themes or topics of this movie i want to talk about you got lance bass in here which was a cameo from the beginning like he was supposed to make a cameo from the beginning specifically lance bass Bass. now lance bass is a gay man as is kevin williamson who wrote this lance bass was not out as a gay man at at any point when this was being made oh so right yeah 
I just find it interesting. I don't know why. I don't know why they picked him. But it seems like because there is a bit of a theme in the bits that I know existed from the Kevin Williamson time. So the Milo Ventimiglia, bit, Ventimiglia bits and the Lance Bass bit. There, there seems to have been maybe in Kevin Williamson's script a running theme about uh, having to hide your gayness in Hollywood. Okay, um, because he, you, you might be I don't know if he was out at that here. point. Yeah, yeah, I don't hmm. know if he was out at that point. But there seems to be something there that isn't played out in the whole movie. So I'm, I'm not going to pretend like the movie that we see really plays out that. But the bits that we know Kevin Williamson was like involved in seem to be going that way you've got milo ventimiglia as this uh closet this homophobic closeted gay man who yeah it, it's honestly we lived through the 2000s we know that like a bunch of dudes hanging out they're just calling each other gay and coming up with uh reasons why everything their friend does is somehow uh indication that they're gay or whatever um, yeah, I hated that, that it was in very the time. Much a, a <laughs> yeah. part of the time. Yeah, yeah uh, I hated hanging out with those dudes stupid. in the time and fucking really get uh, why Kevin Williamson would want to like strike at them, make some joke at their expense. But I don't think yeah. that the joke is that he's gay. It's not that. Like that was one thing about this that really did kind of take me back. Like, I mean, you know, like a lot of movies from this era, it's like you hear somebody casually drop, you know, the, the hard F at right. somebody as a, mm-hmm. a homophobic slur, and you kind right. of go, uh. But then, like, this movie really keeps going with it. Like, every time well, it's you just know, the him, character though. of Bo, it's one is, yeah, character. Yeah. yeah. Every time he's in the presence of Jesse Eisenberg, it's like every way he can to point out that Jesse Eisenberg okay. is effeminate or gay. Like, uh-huh. it is just non-stop digging with this. And then, later on, Bo outs himself as, as being gay. Yes. And and that leads to Jimmy outing himself as being a werewolf, which uh, the that is a, a moment in the movie where an equivalence is being made, right? I don't know exactly what the first movie was going to be. I don't know exactly what it meant to be, but the idea of a uh, a person in Hollywood killing it and then like twist ending their gay uh, slash werewolf, like it, it, it seems almost like one could say that Kevin Williamson, uh, late nineties, early two thousands, was in Hollywood fucking killing it, um, and was a gay man. Um, I don't know exactly when he came out. I'll get fuzz beat on that, but it's just seems to be maybe there was some in the original script, uh, autobiographical element to this. And perhaps he was associating like gayness and, and where, uh, like anthropy or whatever in some way. But again, we can't really understand what that was meant to be because we don't get, his script and we don't get everything that he he wanted to put in there all we have Hmm. to go on is milo ventimiglia's character Bo. he i i do think like when from the beginning yeah as you said he's homophobic that ramps up but it's interesting because the movie you know it it said he even even has jimmy say that like he's 
uh, you know, he's he's expressing his feel like Bo is expressing his feelings to Jimmy because he of the werewolfism because he's exuding this like these pheromones or whatever. But it seems like the ramping up and intensification of the homophobia does relate to th- him turning into a werewolf. So maybe it is that he's emitting those pheromones. It's making Bo horny. And that's making him matter. And that's why he's leaning harder and harder into the homophobia. Okay. Yeah. But again, the, the, like, it's hard to make anything of the movie because all the ideas, like, I don't know where they came from, don't know who came up with what. We know it wasn't Kevin Williamson with most of the stuff. Um, so it, it's interesting. The homophobia is there, and there seems to be some meaning to it, but we don't know what that is because the film just doesn't finish up fully with that subplot. But I'm interested in the end where <laughs> Bo's now, I guess, X. I guess they saw each other on the street. Bo was like, by the way, uh, I'm gay. <laughs> and she was like, oh, okay. I'm going to instantly move on because that Jimmy guy is pretty cute. And then Jimmy's like, they're walking away. And Jimmy's like, you going to come? Listen, I think they're going to have a three-way. I'm pretty positive. I mean, I I think so. I don't think that's digging. No, I don't think so at all. I think, I think. No. Because like, Jimmy, Jimmy, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I'm very interested because there's like, everybody seems to want to fuck in this movie at times. It's like really horny, which is cool with me, but it's also like, I I wonder like how much of that is just like the looseness of what's going on in the the production that people are just like around each other all the time and uh, developing attractions. And that's just coming through. Not sure. But the, the movie has a whole lot of that throughout. Oh, it definitely does, man. And when you're talking about the ending, you mean that's after the endings. Right. It's so many fucking endings. <laughs> and it really should have ended after uh, Judy Greer gets killed. I felt like that was like the perfect time to have the denouement or whatever. But, you know, whatever. I guess that would have ended yeah. it way too early with what they had. That's what I was wondering is like it got to like that point in the movie. And I think I had to pause it to like let the dogs out or something. And I'm like, wait, there's still like 20 minutes left in here. Or what yeah. do we do? Is it just cuddling for the last part of the movie? What's going on? And then it's like, oh, wait, there's more movie after yeah. this. And it does <laughs> kind of come out of nowhere. <laughs> and, it, and it also just doesn't make sense. Because really, like everything, like rewatching it, I was really trying to pay attention and see like, it feels like Josh Jackson really, truly, like the entire time is playing it, knowing internally that he's not killing anyone. Yeah. And then you get to that ending where the rewritten ending where now he is a killer and it just feels like, uh, I don't know. Uh, now I guess somebody does something completely out of character. I don't know. That's how we'll end it. We'll have someone do something completely out of character for no reason. The end. Yay. Yeah. That's that's a little out of place to yeah, me. Like that is, is that's one beat in the movie where I was like, wait, we're doing what now? What? Yeah. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's cool though that they like I mean, if they had gone with the ending 
where he basically he begs them to kill him to you know cure their their lycanthropy like that's that is in line with wolfman uh like mythology from the films like and it's really going for that a lot like you've got like the the original Lawrence Talbot, Talbot Wolfman, like uh, pen, hand pentagram thing, and the love that Romani like connections and whatnot. She's not Romani; she's just fucking Portia de Rossi. Um, so it, it's got those connections though, and I and I like that. And that that ending of like the idea of this tortured werewolf man would have worked great. Uh, it, it really just doesn't make sense for him to suddenly be like. I don't know, like, where all this came from. Like, suddenly he wants to kill Jimmy and take uh, Ellie with him. But instead, it's... I don't know, like, why wouldn't he have killed Jimmy earlier when he had all sorts of chances? Like, yeah, why, why that doesn't to this make moment? much sense at all. Yeah. yeah, he had all these other opportunities. It would have been so easy. But it's yep. like, well, now that's the end of the movie, I should try it now for dramatic <laughs> yeah. effect. Yeah, it's, yeah, okay. it's really dumb. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was a little bit confusing for me. Yeah. Dude, another thing for me that was fucking confusing, and this is totally one of those things that is, you know, just from the observation of a guy who's reviewing this on a, a podcast that took notes on it last night as he watched it for the first time. Right. Why are there so many goddamn J names in this movie? I swear to God, man. <laughs> are there? Jimmy's, Johnny's, Jesse's. Like, there's so Jenny. many. There are a lot. Holy shit. Yeah, Jimmy, Jake, Joni, and Jenny. That's yeah, too many it's like days. Mickey Mouse Club. And the thing is, is like in my notes, okay, my notes are usually kind of crazy for the podcast and they probably just look like the, the scribblings of a madman to most people if they read them. But like sometimes I write down stuff as actor names or actor name abbreviations. So yeah, like I do in that my notes on too. this, Jesse Eisenberg, I just write down as J.E. does this, <laughs> J.E. does that. But that's confusing but other later. people... <laughs> Yeah, because I use their character names, right. and I'll abbreviate them. Jay says this. Jay says that. Because if I've heard the name Jamie once, I'm like, okay, that person is Jay in my notes. Mm-hmm. But in this, there's J-E's, there's J-N's, there's J-I's. Like, what the fuck? Did nobody catch on to this? What's up with all the J names? What's the deal with all these What's J names? What's the deal with all the J names? Jesus. Yeah, I, uh, I hadn't noticed that. That's really fucking funny. Yeah, but like you said, I do love how they dig into some like OG werewolf kind of lore in here, like all the yeah. satanic stuff, and um, I, I really dig that they did that, especially considering that this is in an era of movies that didn't really pay attention to the source material all that much when they were right. dealing with you know classic monster tropes like this. I do like the way that they they handled this. There's of course some you know wonderful exposition via Google, always a great storytelling device. Yeah. That's true. And it's one of those things that actually, while it was happening, I was like, huh, it's kind of hard to do a, a, like an internet search scene anymore. Like the research scenes, because I mean, you go to Google and search for things, the top five results are ads. And then it's all the exact same results. Like it, it, not to say, you know that they're, they're uh, an algorithm that filters through things and shows you, you know, the most uh, connected thing. Though I'm sure money plays into a lot of it, isn't uh, effective. But it, the old, like early 2000s internet research scenes are so fun because the search engine would just throw you everything. It'd be like, here's somebody's blog, 
here's uh, yeah. you know an obscure reference here like it it was more interesting because they had to like scroll through and you didn't see ads and and all that stuff i think now it would be so much harder to do it like you, i don't know it, it feels like that's you, why now steve i only use truthsearch.russia for all of my internet research Russia. it only gives me the real <laughs> facts that blue america is too sissy to read is that right wow i do I, that's the only way i search no more it's dot russia you say Dark, uh, it's an abbreviation, um, <laughs> rapidly undergoing uh-huh. super searching intelligence agency. That's the, I mean, they call okay, it abbreviates to Russia, sure, but sure. it's a, it's an abbreviation, it's an acronym, Steve. Well, I wouldn't be too worried about it. <laughs> it's, probably, it's, probably, it's probably a good source. Of yeah, all book. you got to do is go on to uh, there, enter your social, and start gotcha. searching the real web, Steve. Oh, okay. Wow. That's the key. The key is your social security number and maybe your bank account information. Just a little. Sure. I mean, how are they going to search for something without your routing info? Duh. <laughs> got to route it to you. Got to route it <laughs> Exactly. To how else are they going to route the information to you? Yeah. Duh. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I got it now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I will say, too, though, name a werewolf movie that features a better suplex Frankensteiner combo in a wrestling scene. Name My God, the best part of this movie is the most ridiculous. Uh, I love that pro wrestling scene that is in no way high school wrestling. Like (laughs) everybody's watching it like, oh, he's doing he's beating him at high school wrestling. Nope. No, he's not. (laughs) With a suplex. Yeah, you can't standing suplex. I mean, there are suplexes you can do in high school wrestling. It is not that one. It's not that one. Uh yeah, and and yeah, the old head scissors takedown. Nope, you can't pull that one off. In high school I don't think wrestling. that that's an authorized move. I don't nope. think that's allowed. <laughs> I mean, it's cool. I get why it's everybody's bitching. standing there watching it, going like, "Whoa!" But it doesn't. It doesn't make sense that the coach's not like, uh, "No, you hold on, <laughs> hold on." That's a, a real like Teen Wolf callback, though, to me. Just have this like yeah. ridiculous ass sports scene at a school. Like that's totally Teen that, Wolf though. shit. I love that. I love because like it also has the. And one of my favorite things to happen in a werewolf transformation, you don't usually see it too much in the serious werewolf transformations, but the toes busting out of the sneakers. Busting, dude. That's it. always cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's classic werewolf shit right there, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's got like so many cool elements to it. Like the, the, I mean, the club that Josh Jackson is putting together, Tinsel, that just has like, you know, the Elm Street house in the background and Freddie and Jason and fucking uh, Xeno Warrior Princess at one point. Like, just all these, like, yeah. <laughs> cool, like, Hollywood references, but a ton of, like, definite, like, horror movie references and very much like the 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 uh, walking cane from the Wolfman and the, you know, Lawrence Talbot uh, Wolfman in the background and stuff. Like, it just has, like, a lot of cool little bits and I even like, you know, the connection to an actual talk show, Late Late Show with Craig Kilborn or whatever. I like having this really Hollywood feeling movie uh, about werewolves. Yeah, totally. And I even like how they dry, uh, drag in some of like the effects of being a werewolf. Where it's like, it's not just that you turn into a wolf at the full moon. It's that you do have this enhanced smell and you have these right. pheromones and mm-hmm. you have these, you know, kind of canine-like powers. Like, yeah. I like the way that that kind of adds that into the lives of these characters. 
Yeah, I, I love it. Yeah, I, I love like, yeah. The thing is, like, it's it's real easy when you know the production issues to be like, how you know, like, clearly this movie's not going to be good. But when you're watching it, it's entertaining. Like, I'm I'm very much entertained by the adventures of uh, uh, Jimmy and Bo. Uh, like you Bo comes over to confess his love to Jimmy and it's like well okay let's go deal with this werewolf first <laughs> like, yeah that's he's totally fun. non-judgmental about it like, yeah, it doesn't not really matter he's like oh all, I'm not yeah. gay but okay let's, <laughs> yeah, yeah let's deal with this werewolf thing first sure yeah we gotta go handle that first and then you know maybe let's me and you and your girlfriend uh, you know <laughs> work uh, something out i don't know yeah yeah the, the fucking riding the camaro like him being like be careful sometimes animals jump out because you know they had that happen it's really like that's just like a fun funny little side plot going on of them getting to tinsel to to help out his sister so like i i don't know man i <laughs> i can easily overlook all the problems with the production to say that this movie actually is really fun it's not it's incredible yeah. that it turned out the way that it did dude i mean yeah. it, it is seriously like that one time that you took a deck of cards uh-huh. and you shuffled it like 20 times and uh-huh. then you went through and you're like, actually, they're still mostly in order. What do you know? <laughs> How did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> it happened. Like, it can happen. It the can, odds are very sure. slim, but somehow this ended up mostly in order. Yeah. I, I really think, like, you have to credit the the editor, Patrick Lucier. L-U-S-S-I-E-R. Patrick Lucier, I'll say. Um, more like Patrick Winnier. Huh? That's right. Yeah. yeah, Patrick Winnier for sure. Because he he took all this like disparate fucking uh, footage and turned it into a very fucking passable story with a, a fun feel to it. And it doesn't feel long. It's the pace is good. Yeah, it, it's like an hour and a half. It's it not too long or anything. Gets to its point. It's I mean I mean hmm, I, I really yeah like. It, it is upsetting. Like, I get why cursed fans were like, give us the Craven Cup. Because, like, it's what Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson made. That's what we wanted from this. It's, you know, supposedly would have had Rick Baker effects. And, and we just really didn't get that. And it, I get all the frustration. But I also get that the frustration is attached to watching this movie and going like, fuck, that's fun. I wish it was even yeah. better. Yeah, right? Yeah, considering it turned out this good with all that other shit, imagine if it didn't have any of that other shit and it was just another Kevin Williamson, Wes Craven production. Yeah. Like, what a fucking super team, dude. Yeah, absolutely. And um, just if you see, get to see um, any of the pictures from, from the second shoot of the actual practical effects or if you get to see like any of the stuff from the like Skeet Ulrich, um, uh, Christina Ricci interview on Entertainment Tonight... It really looks like they were making t- twice. They were making pretty good, solid movies, and the Weinstein just came in and like they didn't they didn't like it for some reason and fucked with it and made it worse. Which, again, as you said, some miracle it turns out to be as as interesting and fun as it is. For real, man. Maybe especially now that we're you know just openly in in normal life and in hollywood just bashing the fuck out of the weinsteins right <laughs> maybe one day we'll get some kind of like a documentary about it kind of like the island oh, of dr cool. Moreau documentary where you're just like holy shit how did they make anything out of this production maybe right. we'll get the real story with interviews with yeah the editor and people that worked on this and all of its various iterations telling their side of things and 
telling us about how, yeah, the Weinsteins tanked this entire thing because of some beef that none of us know about right. that they had yes. against Kevin. I and would Craven, love maybe. to find out the the actual like all the backstory. I mean, you know, like since Weinstein's in jail and, uh, you know, unfortunately Wes Craven passed or whatever, and Kevin Williamson probably has nothing to worry about as far as like uh, retribution or repercussions. Like, you could probably get some good stuff out of the people involved. I would, I would right. like to know what happened here. I totally watch it because even though it was a mess, I, I still did enjoy this movie. I, I wish that yeah. we would have gotten those sick Rick Baker effects or that. You know, even if they had to do as much CG as they did, if they just would have been more clever about it, if they would have done more stuff in the dark, if they would have done more stuff where it wasn't giving us full Monty, full-on werewolf jumping down the street shit, like, they did not need to be that bold with it. Even if it was great effects, like, if that was the most amazing werewolf costume I've ever seen, and it's just motherfucker jumping down the street and jumping on cars, I'd be like, wow, that's just yeah, not a fun way to shoot that. No, Even if the not. effects yeah. were perfect, that's yeah. just not fun or creative or suspenseful to show me the whole thing. Like, right. again, the most suspenseful, coolest parts with the werewolf in this are when... It's a werewolf's face and arms, which I'm yeah. sure is just some guy wearing fucking fursuit on his arms, reaching through an elevator shaft. Like, yeah. keep it so unknown. Good. Keep mm-hmm. me in the dark as far as, like, what I'm looking at. All the best werewolf movies have done this. And in this, again, just this full Monty, let's just show you what it is, CG thing, doesn't work. And it wouldn't have worked even if the effects were amazing. Yeah. So I wish that they would have had somebody being more creative with the... Uh, you know, the shots, the storyboarding and stuff as far as how we ended up seeing some of those things. Yeah. Um, the werewolf design itself, honestly, I don't even really remember. I just watched it for the first time last <laughs> night, and it's like, I want to say it's kind of were-bunny-ish, were-dog-ish. <laughs> like, the, I don't The, I don't the top of the head ears, yes. Um, yeah, the, the tall, pointy ears, kind yeah. of um, mm-hmm. the howling style right. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It, and it's... it's um. I mean, I, I think the you get to see it in its full glory a couple times, and the one time that you see it, like I think best is the scene where the werewolf flips off Christina Ricci. Because, oh, dude, highlight yeah. more highlight of that, of dude. Yeah, more of that. More Somebody of in that. a practical so werewolf silly. costume yeah. shooting the bird at somebody uh-huh. as a werewolf, and that more of that is an improvisation from Derek Mears, which is why you Come get on. somebody who is fucking. Uh, uh, trained in comedy to to be your monster because he was just fucking around on set thought it'd be funny he did it they shot it and they were like yeah that's good put it in the movie it's so good i'm yeah. glad they left it in i'm kind of yeah, surprised they left really it cool. in honestly because that's so good right yeah exactly yeah i can't believe the wine scenes didn't come in and cut that just like yeah it's too good get it out of here it's weird to me that we have so many movies that came out around this era. Again, I'm thinking about the I Know What You Did Last Summers and shit that people are still loyal to that, you know, people still people still love fucking Halloween Resurrection and H2O and other pretty shitty movies that came out around this time. But I see so little love for this one. This one totally just got swept I, under the rug. Like, I kind of feel like watching this, that this should have been out around... 2002 or 2003 like watching this knowing it's 2005 when this came out it feels a little late and i even feel like this coming out 
when it was supposed to, when it was going to be among the era of, you know, uh, Final Destinations and all that shit. Like, it mm. being just a traditional throwback, you know, werewolf monster horror movie made by the people that brought you Scream, this would have, like, stood out. Yeah, it would have. It was just a, a little too late to be accepted. Yeah. Well, and they, you know, they had already spent $100 million on it, so I'm assuming the advertising budget wasn't huge. And then also, yeah, it did terribly in the box office in comparison, meaning not a lot of people saw it. Um, so, yeah, I, I just assume they, they probably kind of swept it under the rug for themselves because they were maybe embarrassed by how shitty they made it. Uh, but it, it, it definitely is... It's gotten its uh, second wind. It's kind of become a cult uh, horror film where a lot of people who saw it, I guess, have passed around orally like, hey, you should check this out. And uh, I'm saying that, too. I'm saying that on this podcast. If you've listened to this totally. entire time, you should check it out. I think it's good. It's on Paramount Plus. It's rentable all over the place. Like, it's um, It's a solid little movie. And you're right. It does feel like it should have come out a few years before because it would have fit right in and honestly been, it would have stood out as, as being something more than just the same recycling of, of the, uh, 19 mid nineties, late nineties horror premise that just kept, kept going through that early bit of the two thousands. I I think, yeah, this definitely would have stood out. I'll rewatch this. Like this is one of those ones that is kind of an ideal. It's the month of October. Just put something on that's yes. kind of Halloween yeah. and horror and spooky. It's uh-huh. not something you have to devote too much attention to. Just have it on. There's some good performances and stuff in there. I, I would watch this again for sure, man. Like yeah. if we're gonna you wanna start getting into some ratings on this motherfucker? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. I'm I am um you know, I I said I have some quibbles. I've, I've gone through them. The only other quibble I have is that when the dog turns into a werewolf, um, it would have made more sense for it to grow like a human face. Huh. That is... Huh. <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway. Huh. I don't... I'm sure they thought of that, but... That would look great with that CG, too. Right. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, this is... Um, you can tell that Wes Craven is, is a master at his craft by, despite the fact that all of the shit going on in the production was happening, he still shot a really good looking film. Uh, all of these, these actors are fucking pros. They, they brought it. They did, you know, I'm sure they were mad as hell every time they had to come back for research, but still they brought it. They, they made this fun and fun to, to sit down and, and watch, even knowing all the production stuff. I, I still enjoyed my rewatch just before we recorded. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, yeah, the CG sucks. The practical stuff looks great, but there's very little of it that we get to see. But I, if they had given us the full practical the whole time, I think it would have been f- just so good. But... Uh, we don't get that, so that that's a negative. And and yeah, like when we do see the CG, it's 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 real bad. That's a negative. I'm not saying this is an amazing movie. It's not going to revolutionize your life. But as you said, it is entertaining. It is one I would very easily throw on if anybody wanted to, or yeah, at a party or something. Just be one of those movies where people are like, "What is this?" Um, I enjoy it, but it, it's not the most amazing film you'll ever see. Still, fun time. 
So for that, I don't know, man. That's that's a tough one. I, I I'm kind of thinking it's kind of mi- middle of the road, maybe like four four and a half to five. But I I enjoy it more than that. So I might even say five and a half. Yeah, I, I agree with everything that you just said. I I would probably go a little bit higher, maybe oh, just wow, because okay. my my expectations were just at, at zero for this. Right, and I found yeah. myself watching it, being like, "Why has nobody ever talked about this?" So right, it's a good question. Maybe just the surprise factor alone. I'm like five and a half, six on this. I think. Hell yeah, awesome, watchable. It's a good time. Fuck yeah, good old time on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, let us know what you guys think about this one over on our social media pages. That's our Instagram, our Twitter, our Facebook group, which is a delight. Join up there on the Facebook group. Hang out with your boys and all the other cool people just like yourself. It's the only reason to use that godforsaken Planet Cancer website. <laughs> so hang out today on the uh, Dead and Lovely Facebook. And you can find all of our other socials through our Linktree page, which is very easy to find. And that's yep. also where you'll find our Patreon account. Yeah, that's right. Patreon.com forward slash Dead and Lovely. You head on over there become a patron on any level you get access to our patreon exclusive episodes just uploaded a new hell rankers on the nightmare on elm street series uh which was fun to record and it's been fun to get uh, some responses with other people's rankings especially canadian boy ryan if you're if you're in the facebook group oh, check out man. canadian boy ryan's rankings I, <laughs> I we gotta have him on the show uh, on the on the Hell Rankers to to talk about it sometime because he he always has a completely different ranking than us. Man, the man from the coldest place comes up with the hottest takes. That's I'll right. tell you Hell this. Hell yeah, he does. Um, Cold place, yeah. hot takes. That that is CBR <laughs> for sure. Uh, wow. Become a, a uh, patron on a $5 level. You get to submit a movie to the Smoking Bowl, and then we draw a movie from the Smoking Bowl, and we cover it just like we did last week with Grayson Hester's uh, submission of Van Helsing. So, uh, yeah, uh, join the Patreon, please. Man, and by the way, about Van Helsing. You're right. I'm just upset with myself. Why? That considering in that very episode, uh-huh. I talked about Greta Van Fleet. Mm-hmm. You talked extensively about how many things Van Helsing ripped off and copied from. I'm so mad I didn't even go near the joke, Greta Van Helsing. That's, Fuck me. Okay, yeah, good point. Fuck yeah, me. that's so good. It 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 would have been perfect. What Greta a shame. Van Helsing. Shame on me. <laughs> I gotta get my head back in the fucking game, I swear. Well, listen, we can't all come up with solid gold like Greta Van Helsing instantly like that so in the moment sure in the moment yeah i understand (laughs) all right all right well hopefully we'll uh dig up some gold on next week's episode and which we're going to be talking about a flick that you've been talking about for a while and i haven't been talking about because i haven't seen it all i've ever said about this movie is hey i ain't seen it that's why we're going to be talking about that me threegan me threegan i'm excited man me 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 threegan me threegan yeah it's like me thrill Ain't that Mithrigan. what Frodo's shirt's made of, Mithrigan? <laughs> yes. He got that Mithrigan shirt. Yeah, we're going to be talking about yeah, Megan. I'm Mithrigan. so fucking excited because I, there, like, there are a few movies that have come out recently that seriously, every time I see the poster or even someone talking about it, I'm like, I could watch that right now. Nope's one of them and Megan's the other. So I'm fucking excited as hell to talk about this movie. All right, well, I'll give it a watch with my looking eyes and see what I think about it, and we'll have a chinwag about it on the next installment of Dead and Lovely, where you guys will be listening. I'll be Uncle Ben. I'll be Hollywood Steve. 
and we'll be dead and lovely. We'll catch you guys later. Arf, arf, arf. I'm a dog. Is that good? Yeah. That, no, that was good werewolfing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Woof, woof, woof. Oh, no. My skin is ripping off. Ah! I need to duck behind this large piece <laughs> of furniture to become a werewolf. You think when you duck behind there, it's just instantaneous? Like, it's not painful at all. You, just, It's like, oh, shit, it hurts until you duck behind something. Then it's great. Yeah, it's good after that. You're like, oh, the power. <laughs> Wonderful. Anyway, bye. Bye. Now, you listen here. I'm listening. I'm about plumb sick and tired. Uh-huh. Of having to connect my wireless earbuds mm-hmm. to the liberal agenda every time I'm trying to listen to my Rush Limbaugh reruns. I'm talking oh. about using, hey, you know what they call it? Bluetooth? Bluetooth? Oh. You oh, kidding okay. me? That, I might as well have just done call it liberal agenda tooth. Bluetooth? <laughs> hey, have, listen. Okay. <laughs> I need... A wireless connection device uh-huh. that speaks to me right. and my needs, which is why I'm switching plumb all of my devices over to Red Tooth. <laughs> Red Tooth connection. That's right. It's a wireless connection for people that ain't into that woke agenda. You know right. what I mean? Red Tooth. Red. Uh-huh. Red Tooth. So, okay. So, I'm guessing that, like, it, it works. MAGA, with- make AirPods great again. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? I do. I do. I, I'm, I'm guessing <laughs> it's going to have to be some sort of like third party situation because the moment conservatives set out to make their own version of something, they forget that all of them are grifters. So like Red Tooth well, would obviously like expose all your bank information or whatever, right? Well, but listen, but uh-huh. it sure ain't going to be shoving no uh, Black Little Mermaid down your throat like that Bluetooth does. You know what I mean? Oh, I, I, okay. So what? You If you hook up with Red Tooth, it makes the Little Mermaid white? I'm willing to sacrifice a little bit of my freedom for my freedom. You know? <laughs> you just want to get yeah. Red Tooth. Yeah. Listen. Yeah. So Red Tooth, it definitely exposes like all of your information, but... It won't let hip hop play through your 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 phone, right? It's got built in filters. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, I bet it does. Keep all all bad does. stuff out of there, Steve. Listen, wow, Red it don't dude. it don't connect to no NPR. Whenever you go on there and you try to play NPR, auto disconnect. I don't know what problem it would have with NPR. <laughs> Well, you know, it's still a little too far. You know what I mean? A little too far. Gotcha. Okay. Too far far. moderate. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Too far. If you ask me, Red Tooth don't let none of that stuff in. Uh Uh-huh. And just get ready for this coming out in 2025 for all you moderates out there. Purple Tooth. (laughs) Oh, is that the case? Yeah. It plays all the hits from both sides that you like. Like... On the liberal side, um, it talks real nice. And on the other side, it's all of your politics. Go Purple Tooth!
coming soon from the creators of Dead and Lovely.